So um, many times we are in the midst of some kind of a, a series. This is a one-off kind of a sermon. And the reason is, is because today is our, is our annual meeting. Um, today, uh, I want to just send out an invitation to those of you. Some of you guys are our covenant partners. You have gone through the process. You said, you know, this is where God has me. I want to invest in and be a part of this church. And, and we definitely want to see you guys there. But some of you guys are here visiting and some of you, or some of you guys are here and you've been here for a while and you've been attending for a while, but you just haven't taken that step. Um, there's a certain part of this annual meeting that's going to be important for anyone that wants to know kind of where's God calling us over the next over the next uh, several years? What is that vision that he's given to the church? And we've been through this process to discern that together. And we'd love for you guys and anyone that sees this as their church, we'd love for you guys to be um, a part of that meeting, at least the first part of it. We'll let you go before the boring business starts. We'll kind of have a break and say, hey, if you want to run now, you know, now's the time to flee. But um, we'd love to have you there too as well, because we know that God has called us together to be his church and to be his people, to know more about him, but also to know more about what he's called us to be and to do uh, in this region to make him known. And so uh, I want to invite you to that. But for that reason, um, today uh, we have just kind of a um, just a single sermon focusing, getting us ready really to think about what is it that God's called us to, to do and where has he called us to go. Um, you know, as Christians, there are words sometimes that we use regularly and sometimes we're not always uh, that uh, maybe... Um, clear on what they mean. And one of, the, one of our most important words, I think, is a word that we use a lot, but we may be a little shaky on what it means. And it's the word faith, right? We talk about it a lot, right? My faith, your faith, faith in God, faith in Jesus. You know, even those who, are, who don't even know God, they'll use the word faith regularly, right? They talk about, you know, have a little faith in yourself, uh, take a leap of faith. Um, but we're not always sure. So one of the questions is like, we ask regularly and and as we come across it, sometimes we just have to ask ourselves, what is this faith that I'm talking about? Uh, there's a chapter in, in scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, and it talks a lot about faith. But it talks about faith and it talks about it in a very different way than sometimes we talk about it. Because it talks about faith as this way of seeing what we need to see in order to grab hold of the life that God has really called us to. It's a way of seeing what we need to see in order that we might be able to grab hold of the life that God has actually created us for and called us to. And so I want us to stand. Let's stand together. We're going to read this section of Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, chapter, um, 11th chapter, verse 1 through 6. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the proof of things not seen. For by faith, those who went before us gained God's approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were shaped by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a greater sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testified about his offerings. And now, even though he is dead, he continues to speak. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he did not see death. He was not found because God took him, because he had obtained the testimony of God that even before he was taken up, he was already pleasing to God. But without faith, it's impossible to please God 
because the one who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You know, sometimes we feel lost in this life because we don't know what we're looking for. Sometimes we are lost in this life because we do know what we're supposed to be looking for, but we choose not to look for it, right? Faith is when we know what we're supposed to be looking for and we do the work to look for it. By faith, we can know how to lay hold of that life that God intended us for because by faith, we can see how we lay hold of God. And the reality is, is it's not just in faith we find out how we can lay hold of God. We find out that it's actually God who has laid hold of us. Amen? Today's message is titled Vision. Because the one thing we need to know, the one thing we need to see is that God has laid hold of us. And that because of that, we can lay hold of him. Amen? Father, this morning, we need to see. We need to see with clarity. We need to see with your eyes. We need a vision that is beyond our ability to see. We need faith. We need eyes of faith. We need hearts of faith. And that's a vision that only you can provide. Only your spirit can give us the ability to see things as they truly are, to see you as you truly are, so that we might know who we truly are that we can start aligning ourselves and all of our thoughts and all of our actions, all of our life to that life that you have called us to, that you have intended us for, that life that is found only in you. So Holy Spirit, we give you the space. We give you our attention. We give you our hearts, our ears, our eyes, everything. Come and speak to us. Come and show us. Open our eyes so that we can see. Take this time and make it yours, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a seat. So most of you guys know Goddard Park. Um, Goddard Park is this large state park down the road. I was just talking to somebody the other day. They were new to the area. They didn't even know about it. They had been here about you know, four or five weeks, and it's like, really? You know what I mean? It's a huge park. You guys know Goddard Park, right? So um, when, when the weather gets nice, as it starts to warm up like it has been until today, um, but as the weather gets nice, you find that the park starts getting packed out with people. And what that means is that that road to the park starts getting packed out with people. Now, Goddard Park has three entrances. And those of you who know the park, you know all this. But the first entrance is the equestrian entrance. And most people aren't looking for that entrance but they're looking for one of the two next entrances, but they're so far apart. You don't know that there are two unless you know that there are two. But both those entrances actually get to all the same places in the park once you get into the park. But again, some people don't know this. And sometimes you find yourself behind one of those people, right? As you're going down this packed road. And they are, you watch them as they guess and they second guess and then they guess again whether maybe they missed the turn already or which of these entrances they're supposed to use or if they should have used that last one or maybe they need to turn around so that and if they're going to turn around where they can turn around and they're, the whole time they're going about 10 miles an hour, right? And so none of that's really a big problem for most people except that we live down that road, 
You know, I personally live down that road. And so I get to know many of these people up close and personal. <laughs> but the truth is, is all of us, right? We, we know that feeling. We know that feeling that we're, we're worried that you're trying to get to some place that you don't know very well or you don't know at all. And you're worried that you might be lost. You're worried that you might have just or you might just be just about to completely miss the turn, which means that you're not gonna get to where you're going. And the reality is, is that we don't just feel that way when we're driving down the street trying to find a park. We feel that way a lot of times in our lives, don't we? Where you're in your life and you go, I'm not sure that I didn't just miss the turn that I needed to take to make my life work right. Or I'm not sure that that turn's coming up and I have no idea where it is and I might just be about to miss the turn that's gonna make my life worth living. And if we know Jesus, if we know God, it sounds, that question sounds something like this. Did I already or am I just about to miss the turn that God wants me to? So it adds all that God weight to it too, that God wants me to take in order for me to make my life work right. In Hebrews 11, it does not talk anything about finding out how to make our life work right. In fact, if you know anything about the story of Abel, <laughs> you know that his life didn't end up working out so right, did it? He was killed by his brother Cain because he had done what was right by God. That's how Abel's story goes. And yet, it says that his life was affirmed as one who is living a life of faith. And if you read on in this chapter, you'll find out that you don't just find out about those who are triumphant in their faith or overcoming in this world or had everything that they ever desired in this world. In fact, you read about people who were mocked and beaten, who were imprisoned, who were, who were even killed because of their faith, just like Abel. And that was important for the people that this letter was being written to because at the time they were being persecuted. At the time they were being mocked and they were being thrown in jail. And it was, it was important for them to know that this has always been a part of the experience of those who live a life of faith. Now, granted, many of them had experienced miracles. Many of them had experienced deliverance. Many of them had um, experienced the favor of God, but also some of them had lost their families and lost their possessions or lost even their lives. But Hebrews is very clear that all of that, all of that was about people who had lived lives of faith. And that the important thing in a life of faith is that these people were, what they were going for was that this testimony of God, where he says, you know what? This is a life that has my approval. This is the life that is living a life like the life I intended them to live. You know, sometimes we think that what faith will get us, it'll get us everything that we've ever wanted. It'll get us everything that we ever thought that we needed. We put it right up there with things like um, positive thinking and visualization, right? So that we can, we can speak into being all those things that we've ever desired that we think will help our lives be easier to live or the stuff that we want. But that's not what Hebrews 11 is talking about. Yes, in verse one, it says this, and we quote this a lot. It says, faith is the substance of the things we hope for and the proof of the things that we don't yet see. But you have to read verse six if you wanna understand 
what that thing was that the people that were being written to, what it was they were hoping for and what it was that they felt that they did not yet see because what they were hoping for was they were hoping for the very presence of God in their lives. They were hoping for the very person of Jesus. They were hoping that God would make himself known through them. That was their hope. And it says faith is the assurance of that, of those things that you're hoping for and the, and the, the proof of those things that you may not see yet. They were hoping that there was this testimony that would come through the very details of their life that God was in them and with them and that he was working in them and through them, that God would make his approval known by the way he made himself known through their lives. That was their hope. The question that we have to ask is, you know, is that really what we're hoping for? Because we would love to quote that first verse and say, God, by faith, will give me everything I hope for. He's not saying that. He could say it to the Hebrew, to the people, the Hebrews that this was written to. He could say that to them because their hope was in God. Their hope was for his testimony through their lives. He says, faith is the assurance of that. Faith is the proof that that is coming even if you don't see it. Because of his life of faith, Enoch didn't die. It says that God just took him. All of a sudden he woke up one day and he wasn't here anymore. And we go, well, that, that'd be pretty awesome. But also by faith, Abel did die. By faith, it says though that because of that faith, God shows his approval of even Abel's life in that even though he was killed by his brother, right? Even though it ended earlier than it was supposed to end, even his death became a testimony of the grace and the goodness and the approval of God. And then it continues long after he, he had died. By faith, we know this. It says, it says by faith, we know that, that the worlds that we see were created by the word of God that we can't see. By faith, we know that it doesn't make any sense to pursue setting up a life that's based just on the world that we see, right? We know that by faith. Faith asks, why would we spend all our time and our effort trying to build up a security and a life that's based just in this world that we see when we know this world was made by greater things that are unseen? Faith says, why wouldn't we be investing in the things that are unseen instead of just those things that are seen? Faith is chasing after, is hoping in the approval of the one that we cannot see. Faith is chasing after and seeking that life that only he has to give. And I love the way that the last verse, that this verse six that it puts it, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because the one who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We have to believe he exists. Why? Well, if you don't believe that he exists, you're not even gonna bother coming to him, right? And if, you don't, if you're not pursuing God, you're not gonna find the life that God intended you for. So we believe that he exists and therefore we 
come to him. But we also, it says, we believe that he exists. Who? The God that reveals himself in scripture, the God that created the universe, the God that loves us more than life itself, the God that, that showed his very heart to us in the very person of Jesus, that every, everything that Jesus did showed us a part of the heart of this God, that God, believe that he exists, believe that he is the one that came to forgive us, to redeem us, to just wash us clean from all of the, the, the sins, the brokenness that we have, that we carry with us and make us into his child. That God, believe that he exists. The one that comes to him is not saying that faith is just believing in some God. It's saying faith is believing in that God. You have to believe that he exists when you come to him. But then also, we need to believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And that doesn't just mean that he will reward you by giving you everything that your heart is envious of in this world. That's not what it's talking about. He's a reward. He actually gives the reward that is really a reward. This life stuff is not a reward. It's not a reward. We can't, we can't look at it that way. If we have it, we can't say, well, God must be blessing me because he's given me all this stuff. This stuff is so transitory. James says, you know, this life, it, the, the glory of the, of the wealthy is like a flower that's open one morning and then it, it dries out and falls off by that night. That's how transitory the stuff of this earth is like. It says in Peter that the stuff of this earth, everything is just gonna, is gonna burn because it's, it, it is like the chaff that's on the wheat. It's not like the wheat. It's not like worth keeping. It's just the stuff of this world. It's just the junk, the trinkets. He says, so no, he doesn't reward us with that. The language that's used in this verse, so good. Because it says, you know what? He is a rewarder of those who seek him because he actually is the reward for those who seek him. We're not looking for this stuff. We're looking for him, aren't we? Right? You guys, we miss the point when we think that our best life is the life where the life that God approves of is life where we just add Jesus in with all the junk that we have, right? We just add Jesus into the clutter of all the other stuff that we're trying to grab hold of. Well, yeah, and I want Jesus too. He says, no, that's, that's not the life. The life of faith is knowing that Jesus is who we need and Jesus is all we need. All we need. Whether I live forever like Enoch or whether I die tomorrow at the hands of my own brother, the only thing in my life that is worth bragging about is that Jesus is my portion in my inheritance. The only thing. It doesn't matter whether I get my dream job or whether I lose it all and I end up living on the streets in poverty. The only thing in my life that is worth bragging about is that Jesus is my portion, that he is my life, and that he calls me his friend. It doesn't matter whether I am healed or delivered or whether I am mocked, 
and betrayed. It doesn't matter if I'm held in high esteem by others or whether I am the epitome of everything they despise in their eyes. It doesn't matter. The only thing that is worth bragging about in my life is that Jesus is my life, that he is my life and that he shows himself through my life. And by showing himself through my life, he shows me that this life is approved by him. Must believe that he exists, this God exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You know, we get so cluttered in our lives sometimes. We get so cluttered by our pursuits. We, we chase after all kinds of trinkets and all kinds of rewards and honors and, and things that will never satisfy. Never satisfy. Never satisfy. It's like drinking salt water. It never satisfies. It's like eating snow, right? You're going to end up thirstier when you're done than when you started because there's only one who will satisfy. There's only one who we were made for. There's only one life that we were created for. And that is a life in him. So where the rubber meets the road, are you sick? Don't seek healing. Seek Jesus. You start with him. You start with him. Now he may heal you. He may heal you as a part of the testimony in your life that he is with you and that he has approved you. But it's not because you sought the healing, it's because you sought him. We start with Jesus. So don't pursue healing. Even if you are not healed, I can assure you that if you seek Jesus and you find him, he will still, in spite of you not being healed, he will still be speaking through you as a testimony that he approves of your life because your life is one of faith, one that pursues him and that he is always the rewarder of those who seek him. So his testimony will still come through your life. You'll still know that he is with you and all that around you will know that he is with you Because the other thing that we know, especially in something like healing, we know that the greatest testimony that he is with us and that he approves of our lives is not that he gives us a great life here, is that he brings us even through death itself, sick, sickness, death, sorrow. He brings us through all of that so that he can bring us into his life, his eternity. Because this life can never satisfy. Only he can. Are you lonely? Don't go looking for a bunch of friends. Don't go looking for that special someone that will make your life complete. Look for Jesus. He may provide that person. If he does, it will be part of the testimony that he is approving of your life because you're walking in faith and you have found him. If you don't, he will still speak through your life a testimony that he says he is with you and he is working in you and through you and making himself known. Are you anxious? You don't need more control of your environment. You don't need more security that tells you you have a buffer from the things of this world. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Jesus is the one who satisfies. By faith, we know this. Any other pursuit is not faith. 
Any other pursuit is not approved by God. Only our pursuit of him. Do we know that? Are we seeking him? Are we seeking him as not just the rewarder, but as the reward? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We go through our lives wondering if we've missed the turn, right? We go through our lives wondering if we've missed it or if we're going to miss it because we don't know what it looks like. We go through our lives wondering if we've already gotten so lost But Jesus says, you know what? The only turn you need to make, the only path you need to find is me. Only me. And we need to know that also by faith, we can know that God tells us, it doesn't matter where you think you've ended up at this point in your life. It doesn't matter where you are. That on-ramp is always available. Jesus is always right there Available. Romans 10, 8 through 10, it says this. Talking about this word of salvation, this word that we're trying to find, that word of what is that word that will really rescue, that will get me to that life that God intended. It says that word is near you, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord you believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, they confess, resulting in salvation. You may have made a bunch of wrong turns, turns that got you to where you are right now. And you may feel like you're hopelessly lost in that place. Or you may be so convinced that you got this one in the bag, you know, that your journey's going great, And it's just because you really have no idea. But God always makes a way that wherever you are, he can get you to where you desire. He desires you to be. But that way is always and only Jesus. Amen? He is our way. He is our truth. And he is our only life. Faith knows this, faith sees this, this is faith's vision. So, how do we live, how do we live a life of faith? First, I hope it's come through, (laughs) we have to turn to Jesus, him alone. We have to turn to Jesus. He's the only one that we need. He's the only path that we need. He's the only one that God approves of. It's the only journey that God calls us to take. So we need to start doing what Romans 10 was talking about. We begin to set our lives up around the reality. The only reality is this, that he is our only Lord and that that victory that he won over over death of his resurrection is the only victory that matters. He's the only one we need 
So we don't go pursuing other things. We don't let our, our devotion or our focus be cluttered by all these other things that we're pursuing as a backup. He's our only Lord. And this victory that he won is the only one that I need. It's the only one that I need to be assured about. Because it doesn't matter what happens in this world. It doesn't matter. There's plenty. Listen, you start following Jesus and he will, he'll turn things upside down. He'll shake it up and, and you'll see him do things that you're going because the, the kingdom of heaven will break in in ways that you didn't expect it. Absolutely. But we don't chase after that. We chase after him. Okay? He is our only Lord and his victory over death is the only one that I need. Everything else is whipped cream. I mean, everything else is just extra. It's dessert. It's, I don't need it, but he throws it in anyway as a testimony of his love and his approval, his grace in our lives. Second, so first, turn to Jesus. Second, only him. Possess only him. Only him. We need to ruthlessly go into our, our lives and just cut out all the clutter. You know, there's so many things that God has given us stewardship over in our lives, right? He's given us, some of us, he's given us families and he's given us children. He's given us friendships. He's given us things, just houses. And, and he's given us breath. He's given us moments. He's given us time, life. We're stewards over it. But he always tells us, hold those things loosely because they're not him. There are plenty of things that we've been given access to. And we who live in the United States, listen, we have access to things that people just dreamed of having access to. We just, even the, the least of us live at the level of some kings and queens of history. But he says, you know what? Sometimes he calls us to pass those things by. Why? Because none of them matter. None of them save. None of them satisfy. Jesus alone. Jesus alone satisfies and saves us. So don't simply add him to the clutter. Get rid of the clutter. Make him all that you truly have and hold in your heart. And know that. <laughs> and make him the only one that really has you. Right? Has your affection, has your devotion. Third is this. Let him frame you. Let him frame you with that truth, with his word, with his spirit, so that you will begin to see more clearly, think his thoughts after him, see, see his vision for this life that he calls you into. First John 3, 1 and 2 says this, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. It's almost a shock. It's like, can you, can you believe the Father and the love that he has poured out on us that we would be called his children? And that is what we are. But then he goes on and he says, but we have not yet seen all that we will be. But we do know this, that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Faith, faith. It's the substance of the things that we hope for. It's the proof of the things that are not yet seen. Amen? Amen.